0: Hello and welcome to Voices Radio. My name is Matt Skill and I'm your host. And you're listening to the Voices from the Middle podcast, a podcast that's dedicated to the work and and celebration of the Voices from the Middle journal, a journal of the NCTE. In today's complex world, humans often find themselves facing wicked problems that need innovative solutions. Design thinking is one way to approach these problems, and middle-level ELA teachers are well-positioned to help their students develop the thinking characteristics of design, developing empathy, navigating ambiguity, being flexible, and ideating based on feedback from stakeholders. In today's episode, you're going to hear the audio of the editors. Uh, That includes myself, Shanisha Clark, Robin Seglem. Discussing the first volume year of Voices from the Middle. This was a presentation that we presented at the 2021 NCTE Virtual Conference. You'll be listening to the entire presentation. Uh, We hope you enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to the... Voices from the Middle session. My name is Matt Skillen, one of the co-editors of Voices from the Middle. I'm joined by my other co-editors. Uh, I'll let them introduce themselves here in just a moment. Uh, I work at Elizabethtown College, in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, where I'm a professor and I direct the teaching and learning design studio. Robin, do you wanna go next?
1: Yeah, hi Matt, thanks. Um, my name is Robin Seglum. I am also one of the co-editors. I work as a professor at Illinois State University. I focus on middle level English language arts as well as technology and literacy and education.
2: Shanisha Hi, everybody. I'm Shanisha Clark. I'm a professor at Salisbury University in Salisbury, Maryland. I'm the chair of the Department of Early and Elementary Education, where my students will be elementary and middle school teachers. So I'm glad that all of you are here with us this evening.
0: Our panel is, uh, in our panel today, I should say, we're joined by three other people uh, who will be joining us either by recording or video. Maureen Carroll is a design consultant and founder of Live Design. She specializes in crafting experiences that foster creativity, innovation, and design in both educational and corporate settings. She's also an instructor at the Stanford D School. Uh, We also have Laura McBain. She's a teacher designer who works for the Stanford D School where she serves as the interim co-director and as well as a classroom teacher and librarian named Stephanie Robillard, who is also a doctoral student at Stanford University, has 20-plus years of experience in the Oakland public school system. We're glad that all of them could join us in some capacity today, and you'll be hearing and seeing them uh, in just a few moments. We'd like to start by just talking about this volume year of Voices from Middle. This is our first volume year working as editors together, and our first volume year was titled Middle by Design. Uh, We are teacher designers, and we believe that We are teacher designers indeed. Look at that beautiful cover. Thank you, Dr. Clark, that looks great. Uh, That's our first issue that was just recently released. We're really excited uh, to share that with you. If you haven't had a chance to see it yet, please uh, check it out. We would love to to share with you more of what's happening there. Um, But as, as teacher designers, we believe that we take on design projects of all sizes, every single year, every single day. And we wanted to lean into this idea of what it means to use designability in our classrooms and Robin and Shinesha, I don't know if you have more to say about that, but that's, we're going to focus a little bit on our first volume year and if there's anything you'd like to say to frame it uh, before we start listening from our panelists, we'd love to hear you say more on that if you can.
1: Yeah, I would say that one of the reasons we chose middle by design as our first um, volume year is as we were talking and, and imagining we kept coming back to the idea of design thinking. Um, Matt and I in particular, and Shanish has been introduced to it as well, but we both have done a lot around this idea of design thinking with our students. Um, I always try to reframe with my um, pre-service teachers, the idea of lesson design versus lesson planning, because that's where the innovation and the real learning comes into play is through this idea of design. Um, so I think that because we just kept coming back to it, we thought that there, this there's a whole lot we can do with this. It's, it's worth an entire year and not just an issue, which was kind of what launched our um, our approach to editing where we're, we're looking at volume years and, and, and individual issues um, kind of take up
2: the, the bigger idea each time.
0: Dr. Clark, anything you yeah, want to say yeah. in addition? Yeah, go for Pretty it. Much
2: just the same thing that, that Robin was talking about. It really put um, our students, at least when I talk about it with my students in a different position, it's kind of like reframing. Um, they really, it's, they're able to put the student first, and thinking about who's in the room, or, as someone will say later on in, in the panel, talking about relationships and not knowing. And sometimes that's okay. Um, so it's really uh, just honoring this funky, really nebulous process of trying of, of to teach them and really just being solid in the decisions that they make. So um, I, it's been really exciting to see what people are submitting. Um, for for this entire volume here i you know things that that authors have written i was like wow i never thought of that and and, and that's really exciting to see so yeah
0: one of the key uh traits that we've tried to uh that we're going to continue to i think build upon as co-editors i know we've all talked about this in our meetings just like this over zoom is to include as many voices of classroom teachers as possible and i want to park there for just a moment because our first issue talked about how important developing empathy is in the middle school classroom. And we uh, have a, I think a beautiful response to that question um, from Stephanie that I'd like to play now. And um, we'll invite some conversation after we hear that. So here's Stephanie talking about the importance of empathy in the middle school classroom.
3: So I think empathy is needed in all grades, in all years offered to everyone by everyone, particularly now as we only have a partial understanding of what's actually happening behind the closed doors in the lives of those around us. So, but students in middle grades need empathy more so. I think because they straddle this in-between space of child and teenager um, having only a partial or growing sense of agency over their lives. In some cases, in other cases, um, they might have none or they might have a lot more than we would even expect. Um, and they themselves might have conflicting expectations of of themselves and of each other, of their peers. As teachers, through our compassionate presence, through our modeling of empathy, I think we have the ability to provide a space of consistency, of graciousness, of understanding, and in this way we can be additional models for our students as we respond to their needs empathetically. We want students who are empathetic, so we should therefore be mindful of the opportunities we have to cultivate empathy. We ought to engage students in texts that create opportunities for them to understand the experiences and perspectives of others so that they can develop empathy towards those they might not have the ability to meet in their community. We need to assign writing that challenges students to examine multiple perspectives that will stretch their ability to think and connect to others, and with this we can cultivate a spirit of empathy. We can design our classrooms to be empathetic spaces that will help to develop this spirit within our students.
0: So there was a lot to uh, unpack there, but I love that this um, response from Stephanie starts with the just unique nature of what it means to be a middle level person. You're in this in-between space to begin with. And to be a middle school teacher is to be someone who can kind of understand that and get in there with them. I don't know if this is true for you all, because I know we've all at one time or another have worked in in the middle grades. But I remember telling my my friends from college or uh, at, at class reunions, you know, what I do for a living. And they say, middle school teacher? you must be out of your mind. And I think that part of that is actually true. I think we are a little bit out of our minds, um, for a good reason. Uh, this, this particular group of people uh, that we get to teach in the middle grades is so special, so unique and having that empathetic heart modeling it. And of course, putting it into practice, I think is a, a really specific and important step we all take, uh, in, uh, in our work, any reaction to that or anything that jumped out at you all?
2: Honestly, I was just thinking about I have um, teacher candidates who some of them who are placed in middle school classrooms right now, and they they just laugh, you know, about as as Stephanie was talking about like the straddling that that these young people are in, but in particular because they had a year and a half of Zoom school, so you know they're beginning to learn, you know, to learn how to socialize with one another, like they're learning how to do school, and my teacher candidates are learning how to do school all over again so like empathy just has to be you know at the forefront and some of the conversations that we've had um like that spirit you know like come comes through and it's it, you know it just it just makes me giggle sometimes they're like so just everywhere and i was like welcome welcome to middle school <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> so but anyway robin what were you thinking
1: yeah, I was thinking pretty much the same thing that both of you were like this idea of this straddling and trying to figure out who we are and where we're going um, is so important at the middle school years. And, and I think my uh, pre-service teachers are, are the same way. And it's really funny. We, we joke because in our college of education, we have, you know, you can, we have the elementary, we have the middle level, we have early childhood, we have secondary, and each of us has a very particular flavor to us. And the professors really match the students and the pre-service teachers. And they really match the students that we're going going to teach. So, you know, I think that it's it's just really interesting to think about how much empathy has created who we are as teachers as well, right? Because we empathize with our students and and we we can connect to them in such a way that makes us good teachers. And and I and I'm seeing that in this issue that we that just came out in September with all of the empathy that is permeating the teachers that are working with these middle school students. And, And I just think that we're just really fortunate as a field to have such a great group of teachers.
0: Along the same lines, we have another um, response to the idea of empathy. And this one from, of course, Maureen Carroll. Um, I wanna play that and just invite some further reaction on this idea, because I think it's an important element that we revealed in this first issue, but one that I think has a lot of applicability um, across the board. So I'll cue that up and let's just listen. And uh, I guess Shanisha, I'll invite you to respond to this one after it's over.
4: I think what I've learned the most when I think about the role that empathy plays in the middle school classroom is the importance of teacher-student relationships. We think we know our students, but are we really spending time to get to know them, the whole of them, rather than just who they are and the limited borders of a classroom setting? When we as teacher designers explored this issue, we focused on the idea of learning from others and learning with others. And that important preposition with was added because we felt like it was really important that students are co-constructors of knowledge. We aren't completely sure exactly how that works. It's kind of a new idea. It's that balance between delivering content and bringing their curiosity and imagination and desire and passion to learn into what we have to teach.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I really love that. Um, again, just thinking about my teacher candidates who were in middle level classrooms, the idea of getting to know the students and thinking about student teacher student relationships um they have to my students have to write a big lesson plan and one of the sections deals with funds of knowledge and i said a lot of this that you gain and you learn the funds of knowledge of these young people is through having conversations i say don't sit there and just say tell me what is an individual asset (laughs) you know (laughs) you gotta you know Visit with them, Sit, like say good morning when they come in. How was your weekend? What did you get into yesterday? That kind of, um, that relationship building. I think we don't have to jump into the content right right away. Um, young people aren't gonna learn from teachers who don't like them
3: mm.
2: and who don't respect them and don't trust them and don't engage in, in, in curiosity. So that idea of, of relationship is building is so important and my teacher candidates have seen teachers who don't have good relationships and then those classrooms are chaotic and then they cuss out the teacher and you know I said well why? why 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 would that young person want to learn in that room when the teacher is outright hating them mm. you know but I said but then when you're in the room and then when you're teaching a lesson and you're engaging with them like they respond well to you I said that's because like you, you sat down and you talk with that. And you got to know them like outside, as Maureen said, outside the borders of the, of the classroom. So, you know, that empathy, just nothing happens in the room, in a successful room, without having empathy. And, you know, and, and that's something that, you know, at, particularly for folks who wanna teach early, like late elementary or middle, middle level, it's so important that, that that we tap into and just recognize because you can write a beautiful plan but it will not respect you honor you, you think that you actually like them but you know it's just a beautiful plan on a piece of paper mm-hmm. so um that co-constructing that working together that thinking together is a beautiful thing when it works and um so spending that time to begin to build that um is, is so lovely and is really really vital but I can just
0: keep going but I'm not going to well it's the relationships between people can often create some ambiguous spaces that we work with and and Robin before you jump in there I wondered if I could play Maureen's or sorry um, Laura's response to uh, ambiguity and how um, teachers might navigate ambiguity um, within their classroom let's take a listen to that and then maybe we can thread those two things together really quickly
5: What skills and mindsets do teacher designers need to navigate periods of ambiguity in their classrooms and careers? My name is Laura McBain, and I work for the Stanford D D School, and I am a teacher designer. For me, the skills and mindsets that I have needed to navigate endless amounts of ambiguity is my willingness to stay open to the potential outcomes in front of me. This requires me to think about not just what I expect happen but what are the possibilities of what might happen next in my classroom and the lives of my young people as a designer this also requires me to have a willingness to fail knowing that whatever next step i choose may not necessarily be the right one but it will be an opportunity for me to learn ambiguity can feel quite scary it feels like sometimes we're lost in paralysis we don't know what the next course of action might be but I think as a teacher designer our willingness to open ourselves up to the ambiguity is the single most thing we can do as educators to train our young people for an unpredictable world this means we actually need to put our students in situations where ambiguity and uncertainty abounds where they're not sure of the answer they're not sure of the outcome and that requires us to be teachers and learners ourselves to embrace moments where we are unsure of the next plan, where we are unsure of the exact answer. To navigate ambiguity as a teacher designer means being a learner once again, taking the stance that we don't know the right answer, and yet pursuing the answer with curiosity, openness, and flexibility. Being a teacher designer requires all of us to think and act as if we don't know how the world will unfold, but we are willing to pursue it and stick with the possible solutions that may arise. Thank you.
1: Yeah, that's, that's such a, a beautiful sentiment. And I think that's one of the reasons I just really love this volume year. Um, so I think the, one of the connections that I, I immediately see is um, Marine's emphasis on the preposition with, right? Learning with students, Because when we learn with students, when we learn alongside students, ambiguity becomes a little less scary, right? So if we create a classroom culture where taking risks and failing is just an everyday part of what we do, and we do it alongside our students, then it's not so scary to have an ambiguous world. And it's not so scary to not know what's coming next. And I think, you know, a lot of times my students, my pre-service students, teachers, often they just want to learn more about classroom management. Classroom management is not possible, right? We can't manage human beings as teachers, but we can learn alongside them. We can learn with them. And if we show them a relationship and we show them empathy and we build that out, um, ambiguity is just expected. And ambiguity is a part of the world. So we're doing a justice to our students when we begin to learn with them and we begin to show them the what if, the wonder. The wonder that comes with ambiguity is so amazing. Um, And I think that Laura captures that quite well. And I I just think that that's part of our responsibility as teacher educators and teachers is to show students the possibilities that ambiguity provides to the world. we, 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 aren't going to have beauty if we know what's coming, right. We're going to have beauty in, in the unexpected. And so I think that's really cool.
0: It is really cool. And this, um, you know, as I was hearing you describe that, uh, Robin, and again, listening to our respondents, I, you know, I, I know I've known this for quite some time, but I don't know that I've been able to put it into words until very recently in my career, how the, the push and pull of a regular school year kind of pushes us in. And then we have to pull back every once in a while and we push in, and we don't really control any of it, quite frankly, as teachers, but we have this opportunity to help maybe guide and direct it with what little um, effort that we can um, but at the same time, you know, we're right into the mix with our students. At the same time, there's this there's this this beautiful dance that emerges. But um, I, I I'm thinking also of just the ability to to navigate those um, those moments of real uncertainty and unknowing uh and and the skill that that takes i thought something you can teach in the teacher ed classroom it's not something that you're equipped to do i think immediately when you start your career it's something that you learn over time um and what a again what a beautiful sentiment as you as you put it uh one of the things that i think goes right along with everything that we're talking about with you know the uh courage to explore empathy and the, the ability to maybe help uh, develop the skills needed to navigate ambiguity is the sense of just greater flexibility that we need. Uh, Stephanie uh, gave us a, a beautiful statement on, on flexibility in her classroom that I'll, I'll play right now and again um, invite some conversation uh, as we um, as we work through that together. Uh, as I pull that up though, let me see if I can find the right video. There it is. Uh, it's like we've been teaching on Zoom. You'd think we'd better at this by now. Here we go.
3: Well, embracing flexibility to me means more than just uh, quote-unquote rolling with it. Although that is definitely an important part of teaching middle grades, right? That a teacher designer who embraces flexibility is able to take even the most fixed curriculum and redesign it into one that meets their student's social, emotional, and intellectual needs. Right now, teaching requires an extra measure of flexibility as districts and counties and even states seek to limit how and what can be taught. Making a way through these policies and mandates in order to provide a meaningful education means thinking creatively. It may mean reimagining a new way of instruction or looking back to understand how people in the past circumvented laws and were able to accomplish their teaching goals. A teacher or designer who embraces flexibility understands their end goal and recognizes the multiple paths there are to get there. They're able to pick up strands and put down others, all the while not letting go of their vision. Instead of letting whatever it is derail them from their goal, they're able to incorporate whatever it is that comes at them as they progress towards it.
0: You know, designers have this uh, flexibility. It's like their um, it's their way of life, you know, being able to hold many strands at one time to put others down and to pivot to others. That is the life of a teacher from, from start to finish. And I, I'm, I'm thinking of the times when, uh, you know, you're in the middle of a lesson plan that you're just, you know, is fire. Like it is, it is humming in periods one and two. And then all of a sudden period three, a literal fire breaks out and the rest of the day is just obliterated. So it's, uh, you know, it's a remarkable thing to be a teacher and to embrace that kind of flexibility to know that, hey, there's only certain things that we can control. And in reality, do we control really anything? <laughs> but uh, to, to, to embrace that and to, to know how it works uh, in any given day, I think is an important step. Any other reactions to, to flexibility and how it works in our classrooms?
2: I really like, and I tell my students this, dad like, like when I think about like our scope and sequence for the semester, I say like, I know where we're going. Like, I know where the end goal is and I have a vision <laughs> of sure. how we're gonna get there. And then sometimes, you know, we might take longer on one thing or I have to speed something else up, but it's like, I'll get you there. You just have to like kind of trust the process. So even when I think about my students and when they're in the room and they're talking with their mentor teachers, um, what I love about what she said is like, like, we as teachers have to be nimble. Yeah. Almost going back with what you were saying, Matt, like, first two periods, we're rock and rolling, you know, and then fire drill or, you know, it's just not humming. We have to be nimble in our thinking or flexible in our thinking, and we have to make some shifts when we still know where the end goal is, right? right. So that involves us studying, being prepared, knowing the plan, knowing the lesson, doing the reading. So even in districts that have a scripted plan, you know, you still got to do some work with it because I can get that plan. We're going to teach it. So just honoring that, knowing that, thinking about our young people who are in the room, you know, and just embracing that that nimble that nimble thinking as we because at the end of the day, it's about those little bodies, or not so because they're middle school, but you know, those yeah. young people, you know, who are in the room. You know, like there is an end goal and we have to try to work to get there. I never understood how you can walk into a building and every classroom is at, on the same page at the same point in the semester. I was like, but there are different people in the room. So, how can you keep trucking along with that? So, you know, flexibility it tells us that we need to trust teachers and, and their knowledge and their pedagogical skills and, 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 and whatnot. So, um, as we begin to embrace that and trust ourselves, and like we know these students, we know this curriculum, and we have to say, no, we can't move forward just yet. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't want to do that worksheet, I want them to do something else. So you know, just kind of trusting ourselves and trusting our nimbleness, our, our rigid, flexible nimbleness, um, is, is just really important. And I, and I, I just love what, what she said. And so my my wheels are spinning a yeah. little bit, yeah, thinking about what she was. Talking about. It
0: reminds me of the difference of having a map and having a direction, right? I mean, I think we 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 set a course to have a map in place, right? When we set out a school year or a semester or a class period but if we don't have a sense of direction that map is is useless right so knowing how we're going to get there and is is something we can build together but as long as the teacher knows where we're going i think that's that's the important step too yeah mm-hmm. very cool um robin we uh we have an exciting uh volume that we're working on right now volume 29 middle by design it's it's invited conversations like these uh every month every opportunity that we get a chance to talk to each other as editors we're we're humming we're seeing these amazing things that teachers are are bringing in and and uh really advancing the um voices from the middle journal forward with their neat stuff that's happening in the classroom but the fun doesn't stop there oh no we have <laughs> another volume coming out next year volume 30 <laughs> which is genius by design i wanted to If you could tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that when we were thinking about where we wanted to go, because we feel like this has been such a phenomenal start, um, we started thinking about uh, Dr. Goldie Muhammad's work and how it's such a natural next step. So genius in the middle is the next step. Um, which celebrates the work of Dr. Goldie Muhammad. Um, And and one of the reasons we really thought that this would be a great next step is we were thinking about how she, in many ways, is using the design process herself, right? She's taken um, a look at historical um, Black literacy societies and thinking about how can we use this information, um, these successful literacy societies to build a new way of looking at literacy instruction in the classroom. And so her uh, her book, Cultivating Genius, an Equity Framework for culti- Culturally and Historically Responsive Literacy has been what has inspired our next volume year. Um, and and really the first issue kind of really builds off of the, um, the flexibility and the feedback and thinking about how do we embrace identities? How do we embrace the identities of the students in our classroom and use their identities to help build a literacy environment that really impacts their learning and that speaks to them where they're at. So that's gonna be the first issue within this volume year. <clears throat> it will come out next September. Um, Manuscripts are due right around the corner. So December 15th of this year, we're already looking at next September's issue. So we invite you all to think about how do you help students embrace their identities in the classroom because it is so important. It's a way that we can become and continue to be teacher designers because we understand and who our students are and where they're coming from. Um so I'll just very quickly tell you the other um the other issue themes and then Matt and Shanisha can build upon those but we also have coming then next reimagining skills how do we think about skills differently in the classroom that they're not just drill and kill how can we think about ways to leverage what is happening in the world right now and leverage the skills to move our students forward um leveraging is another um keyword leveraging intellect and the and what they know and can do is the third issue in the volume year? And then finally, how can we transform through criticality? How can we ask important questions about the power structure within schools and society to help our students become the citizens that we know that they can become and they can transform our world? So we're as excited I think about this second volume year as we were the first volume year. So we're we're really inviting you all to submit, submit, submit because there's so many possibilities that we can see. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Dr. Clark, did you want to say more about that? I I was going to put the actual page up so you can see it. This is our call for manuscripts that you can find on NCTE's website. Just search Voices from the Middle and NCTE, and it'll be the first hit. You can find our call for manuscripts in the menu bar. And as you can see, everything that Rob just uh, described is available to you, including the submission deadline that you can put on your calendar as you're working through the process uh, to write for us in this next volume year. Anything you want to say, Dr. Clark? No, I said
2: submit, submit. That's right.
0: <laughs> we want to read what you have to say. <laughs>
2: right, you know. And if you have any questions about any of the calls, like we as an editorial team are just open to answer any questions. Um, yeah, because we we're, we're just eager. I'm I'm excited about this this volume. I'm excited the whole thing, both, but I'm really excited about this one and, uh, you know, and Goldie Mohammed you know, she's excited about it too. So maybe you have her stamp of approval. So that's really exciting too.
0: Mm -hmm. That is helpful. Yeah, there's an email address uh, that you can see there on the call page. Uh, Hit us up anytime. We would love to interact with you. If you've got an idea, that would be great for the journal. We'd love to uh, to connect with you there. The conversation continues online always. The journal is published four times a year, but we have conversations happening all over the place on social media. You can find Voices from the Middle and all the places you would expect, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We also have a monthly podcast, uh, Voices from the Middle Radio that you can find on Spotify and Anchor. We hope that you'll join us there. We've got some really great conversations that are emerging in those spaces as well. Uh, before we conclude, is there anything else we need to say, friends?
1: No, just write for us. We're yes. so excited, so excited to see all the review. different things. Come, come to
2: review, review it too, come review. That's
0: right. Yes. <laughs> yes. We'd love for some reviewers too. You'll be uh, hearing more about that. We're gonna be putting a call out for a reviewer board, which um, will be uh, part of something that we'd like to uh, put together and bring together to create community around that as well. So in the year to come, look forward to that if that's something you'd be interested in joining us on as well. Uh, well, from the Voices for the Middle editorial team, we wish you a happy convention, um, happy holidays and season greetings uh, as we lean into a crazy time of the year. We hope that you take some time for yourself to restore and to renew for the new year ahead. Uh, Friends, this is an exciting community to be a part of and we're so glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us for this short period of time, wherever you may be, Uh, you know, happy blessings and inspirations to you.